Pentecost is a day of surprises. You might have been surprised by that offertory. <laughs> One husband knew that he was in big trouble when he forgot his wife's birthday, and so when he apologized and apologized and said, what can I do to make this right? She said, okay, Buster. When I wake up in the morning, I want to see something in that driveway that goes from zero to 200 in two seconds flat. So the next morning, the wife woke, the wife woke early, looked out her bedroom window, and spotted a small package in the driveway. Well, she got ready, went outside, and was a little surprised and somewhat perturbed as she picked up the package, and she opened it and found a handsome, brand-new bathroom scale. <laughs> she was surprised. And so was the husband. Funeral arrangements are set for Tuesday. Pentecost is a day of surprises. One of the things that Diane and I had talked about with the children's sermon is her releasing a butterfly in the, in the sanctuary today. Didn't quite work out, but I liked what you did with the balloon. But it reminded me, because I knew if she did that, I think when she asked me, she said, do you think it would bother people if? And, and my answer was, well, yes. <laughs> some people would be bothered. However, sometimes it's worth it. And, um, and if, if that had been able to happen today, it wouldn't have been the first time that a live animal was released during a Pentecost service. Because back in the Middle Ages, some churches in Europe were built with a hole maybe 18 inches wide in the ceiling that for most of the year was covered, but on Pentecost Sunday, they would release a dove into the sanctuary as a reminder of how the Holy Spirit came down upon that, the disciples in that room, that house, that first Pentecost morning. And then in other, um, other times, they would take not only a dove, or sometimes they would lower a wooden dove, but they would, take, they would take red rose petals, and they would let those down through the hole as well. And that would symbolize the Holy Spirit, the descent of the Holy Spirit upon those disciples as well, in tongues of flame that came and sat upon each one. Imagine those rose petals descending from our ceiling and sitting on you. But then they don't just sit. They do more than sit. The beauty and power, once they land on your head, begins to permeate you from the head through the cranium. And like liquid, they drip down and spread through every lobe in your brain and then through every sensory organ on your head, through your ears, through your eyes, through your nose, through your mouth, and down that travels through the larynx and esophagus and into your lungs so that you can breathe the Holy Spirit in and exhale the Holy Spirit out to others and then into your heart so that as it pumps, it sends more of the Holy Spirit to the smallest capillaries in your fingertips. That's the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling, not just among us, but within us. This power is surprising. And that early, that first Pentecost, they had this rush of the wind that brought out all the international Jews that were dwelling in Jerusalem at the time. It's as if the barriers 
of the walls where the disciples were gathered just vanished. And everyone was there together, and they were hearing these, these deeds of God spoken all by Galileans from the same territory of Judea, but they were speaking in languages that people could hear, not just in Judea, but all the way around into Africa. That is a surprise. Now, our world is not a place of tribalism anymore where everyone grows up in a tribe and they all get taught by their elders the ways of the tribe and they learn each other's language. They, they learn that language. But these days, even people of the same ethnicities don't often understand each other's language and new languages are getting added and changed all the time. Think even simply of legal language and medical language, street language and computer language. If a disciple, a disciple were speaking to young people today, he might explain it in terms of the video game Minecraft. God spawned a son who would give us the weapons and tools we need to build and protect our properties. Everything the disciples that were saying and doing translated the love and grace of God into a language that each person present could understand. I want to do that. I want us to do that. And it's easier when, when I was trying to think, you know, when has that been done? It's so much easier to think about when I messed up and when I didn't follow the lead of the Spirit. One morning I was walking in the woods near a high school and saw three teenagers hanging out there and the scent in the air changed. It was a smell created by nature, but not legally. And my comment to them was based on fear. I sort of playfully said, like some of you will remember Hogan's heroes, Sergeant Schultz, he said, I see nothing, I'm not looking. And then paces down the path, I thought, oh, I missed an opportunity. I wish I had said something like, I know it sounds preachy, but still, wish I had said something like, you only get one body and one brain, take care of it. It's easier for me to think of times that I missed translating God's language into a tongue that is easy to comprehend and difficult to misconstrue. But we can do this with the help of the Holy Spirit. Peter feels this boldness of the Spirit. Peter was the one who, on the mountain of transfiguration, babbled that he wanted to build a shelter for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah because he just didn't know what else to say, so he just talked. Peter was the one who thought and said he would follow Jesus until the end, but then denied three times that he even knew his dearest friend. And yet, when the Holy Spirit gets poured out on Peter, he finally gets it. He finally is empowered to do and say what Jesus wanted him to do and say all those years. So based on the response of the crowd, what, are they drunk? It's, but no, they're not drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. For some, that doesn't matter, but apparently for Peter, it did. Peter launches boldly into this sermon, and today in the passage we have only the introduction, his, um, his um, translation of the prophet Joel. But 
It's a powerful intro. He tells them that this day is a fulfillment of promises. It's a day of the fulfillment of Jesus' promises, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and power from the Holy Spirit. But it also fills this expectation from the prophet Joel from 300 years earlier. Joel said, in the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit. Do you hear that liquid coming down, pouring out my spirit? And they shall prophesy then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, everyone. Sons, daughters, young men, old men, male slaves, female slaves, God would pour out the Holy Spirit on us all. And then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Pastor Brian Jones wrote of a memorable wedding in his book called Second Guessing God. He describes a woman who begged him to officiate at her wedding as six feet tall with spiked hair and thighs like a professional football player. A small ceremony, she promised, just friends and family at our house. And when Pastor Jones arrived, dozens of motorcycles were in the front yard. He saw handlebar mustaches and helmets with spikes on top. And people streamed into the house with a case of beer in one hand and a food dish in the other. And eventually, the bride walked in to the living room to a tune by Led Zeppelin. And the pastor performed the standard ceremony and pronounced the couple husband and wife. And then someone screamed, let's party! People swarmed around the couple, and the pastor waited his turn. And then... He was explaining that he needed to leave, but the father of the bride overheard him, grabbed his arm and yelled, grabbed his arm and yelled, let's make a toast. And someone handed out bottles of vodka and wine. And the bride said, I want to make a toast myself. I want to toast you guys. You are just like family to me. She said to one girl, one woman, you are just like a sister. And this woman, Jackie, immediately stopped her and said, no, you've always been like a sister to me. And with her arms around the bride's neck, she sobbed, do you remember when I lost my baby three years ago? I wouldn't have made it without you. And then she turned to the group and said, or without all of you, I wanted to die. You gave me reason to live. And the stories continued about visits following family deaths, groceries and school clothes given after a job loss, help buying cars, a ride from jail, and a place to stay till one could afford his own place. And after 10 minutes of this, the bride lifted her beer and said, to friends. And what began as an awkward gap in the pastors waiting to speak to the bride ended as a tribute to true friendship. And Pastor Jones thought, church should be like this. Is it naive of us to believe that church could be like that? 
Many of us are hungry to be cared for and loved. We're hungry for true friendship. We're hungry for the experience of full acceptance and community. We're hungry for community and each other and depth and hope. Jesus did that so well, and that's one reason we follow him. That's one reason we seek to reconnect with him here. Weekly, we seek to reconnect with him daily through prayer and to depend on the Holy Spirit's power to fulfill Jesus' calling. We don't have a Holy Spirit hole in our ceiling, unless you count the air conditioning ducts. But everywhere we look, we find the light of the Holy Spirit's flame filling someone and inspiring us. In a health crisis, church friends provide food and friendship is deepened. In a work conflict, caring honesty about one's feelings provide for a better work environment. In a family, death brings together people who rarely connect and rekindles decades-old relationships. All of this requires loosing the tongue. Now, we all know some, some tongues that need to be tightened. But as we think about the disciples' description of the flames of the Holy Spirit appearing as tongues of fire, we think about how the Holy Spirit loosed those tongues of flame that sat upon each disciple and empowered them. And that power is still among us. It has not been shut down. It has not been stifled or put out. And that spirit can speak through us as well. And so we call on the Holy Spirit to loosen our tongues so that we, like the early disciples, can tell our stories of how Jesus has been active in our lives, of these great deeds of God that we have experienced. And that way we can translate to others in a language they can understand this amazingly deep power and love that says, you have a home here. You have a home with me. You have a home with God. Because God already dwells within you through the power of the Holy Spirit. What a surprising gift. And we have the sermon earlier because I really like the anthem, and I wanted you to be able to reflect on the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life as you listen to the words of the choir and the music of the anthem. So following that, we will pray together, but let us prayerfully hear our anthem.
as we pray this morning, we prayed for Alice Garrett last week, but Alice is with us this morning, and um, we continue to pray for her and the loss of her brother, Billy, last week. Um, we'll pray for Jimmy, for Diane Caldwell, for Paula, and I think we have a new college graduate among us. Lindsay worked after graduating from JMU. We'll pray for you, too. Let's bow our heads. Lord, our God, you give us such grace and such joy, such peace and such excitement and such power. We thank you for all of these gifts, for when we recognize them and for when we don't. We thank you for your grace, for your love, for the way that you reveal your presence among us, for the way that you act through other people to inspire us or inspire us to do good things for others. We pray that you would gather the fragments of our church into a living icon of the redeeming and reconciling and prophetic Lord Christ. We pray that you would help us to radiate the power and the light of our many colored people. We pray that we would work towards becoming a dy dynamic community of faith so that we can help others to feel redeemed and to feel reconciled with you and to feel loved by you. Lord our God, your power is beyond our comprehension, and yet we have entrusted ourselves to you. And we pray that you would work through us and continue your work through the Holy Spirit, which reaches to places where we cannot. And we pray then for healing for Belinda Austin, for Candace Brogdon, for Ernie Dyerly, for Kathy Richardson, for Paula Stump, for Diane Caldwell, for Jimmy Hunter, and for Alice Garrett. Lord, we thank you for the gift of being able to show our care for these people by praying for them. And we pray that you would help us to love them in ways with our hands and feet and minds and voices. We pray, too, for Lindsay as she concludes one chapter of her life and prepares for the next. We thank you for the gifts that you have given to her and ask that you would bless her as she seeks to use them well for you and for others. We thank you for the chance to celebrate caring for each other this day and every day. And we pray for your help in trying to do better and care more and care deep more deeply. We thank you, God, for the many gifts you have given and ask for your guidance in using them for your glory and for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ in whose name we pray.